0: When I first come to this land, I was not a wealthy man. Then I built myself a shack, I did what I could. And I called my shack, break my back. For the land was sweet and good, I did what I could. When I first come to this land, I was not a wealthy man.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of So Important. Today we are going to explore the legacy of the beloved folk singer, Mr. Oscar Brand. Oscar Brand was instrumental in launching the career of many well-known performers. A proud veteran of World War II and a man who has recorded over 100 albums, we are going to talk with his daughter, Ms. Jeannie Brand, about all the work she has done and continues to do to preserve his legacy. Jeannie has written a book and we're going to talk about that too. Jeannie, welcome to the show. And it would be great if you could say a few words about yourself and introduce yourself to people.
2: I'm just the daughter of Oscar Brand, but I have three brothers and we're all about legacy. My brothers are wonderful husbands and fathers, and that's their legacy to my father. I, I've been connected with the World Folk Music Association down here near Washington, D.C. for the last 30 years, so it wasn't difficult to contact them. In fact, they contacted me about uh, doing a tribute concert to him. And the reason that it was so important was that my father had a radio broadcast for 70 years in New York City called the Folk Song Festival. He was he was in the Guinness Book of World Re- Records for the longest running radio broadcast with a single host, only interrupted by 9-11. And so when it was live, and I was a little girl, my brother and I would go down there to the radio sh- you know the radio station and we'd run around the halls and we'd slide on the freshly waxed floors there was nobody there that in that those days it was done on a Sunday and we had a great time we there was just one rule and that was stay alive be quiet don't interrupt the broadcast so People marching through were Woody Guthrie, Gene Ritchie, um, Tom Paxton, everybody you could think of who was famous or wanted a voice on the radio would come through Dad's broadcast. Dad was putting people on the radio that were sometimes controversial. Um, He had... Many people who later became famous because he gave them a showcase for their platform. He never got paid for this broadcast. So he was able to put blacklisted folks on in the 50s.
1: Now, if I recall from your book, your father was also very influential with the Newport Folk Festival.
2: There's a great story about how George Wien, who who was the producer, Joan Baez came to George Ween and, and when she was about 19 years old. And, and she said, I'd like to be on the program tonight. And George Ween said, Well, Oscar Brand is the MC. So go to him. So she did. And dad said, Listen, if you could find a performer who's win, willing to give up 10 minutes of, you know, go ahead. And she found Bob Gibson. Rest is history. She would have been discovered anyway. But that was the night.
1: And Bob Dylan appeared on the, on the show and performed with him, if I recall.
2: Actually, Bob Dylan's first radio interview was on Dad's show. And it's archived because when Bob Dylan first came here, he had magnificent stories made up about who he was in order to be following in the in the footsteps of his idol, which was Woody Guthrie, a good friend of my father's. But the uh, interview is rife with inaccuracy. He said he was a carny man and all that. And we all know that that isn't true and later all corrected. But it's great to hear the, the interview.
1: It was quite an experience uh, growing up as his daughter, wasn't it?
2: It was. I didn't know I had a famous dad. Everybody's parents sang. Jean uh, Ritchie, who is my godmother, and my father gave marvelous parties at their home. There was always uh, uh, music going on, and it was just a nice way to grow up. But, but nobody knew that their parents were special because everybody was like that.
1: And you had uh, some interesting babysitters and swim instructors, if I recall, from your book. <laughs>
2: At the Newport Folk Festival in 1969, Arlo Guthrie was doing a workshop in the morning. They used to have these workshops that were open to everybody. And he was working on a song called Alice's Restaurant. And he had been working on it for about two years. And Dad sat in and listened. And he said, Arlo. And he knew Arlo. He was Arlo's Bar Mitzvah. That's how they go back. Yeah. yeah so he said, Arlo, you're, this song is ready. And he put Arlo on the main stage that night. But that morning... Uh, We were all splashing around in the pool. I didn't know how to swim. And there was this gangly teenager with long, dark hair eh, and really skinny. And he said, I'll help you out if you need to. And he taught me a little bit how to doggy paddle so I could save my life, basically. And that was Arlo. And as far as the famous babysitters, (laughs) I mean, this is my favorite story. And that's dad was, like most folk singers, always ready for a benefit. People needed help. They were there. In our building lived Eleanor Roosevelt the first lady. And she needed some help to raise some money at that time. I think it was um, for workers. And he said, well, I have a little problem. I'm happy to do it anytime you need, but uh, I have a little daughter and she needs uh, a babysitter. And, and this is kind of late notice. So Mrs. Roosevelt said, okay, I'll take care of her. Now, the little problem was that I cried all the time. I was a big crier. So uh, Mrs. Roosevelt said, I'll just turn off my hearing aid. No problem.
1: How would you describe his legacy if somebody asked?
2: His legacy is to help absolutely everyone. Anybody I meet, I I did a a program at Oasis, which is a local community for um, ongoing education. 88 people signed up. It was a record. And they all had a story to tell me about my father, and they were all good. They were all about something he did to help them. Something he did to help them on the way up. He was curator of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. He gave everyone advice. Uh, They didn't have a place to stay. Here's a And he came down here quite often to sing, sometimes sponsored by the World Folk Music Association showcases, or sometimes he was on his way and I was a salesperson. That's what I did for 44 years. So I would Get in touch with the local newspaper or say he was coming. Always a sold-out performance. The local library, songs for children. I think his legacy is that he could sing for children, for adults, to move people, to help people. And what I want people uh, the most is to remember him.
1: But the other thing is his musical legacy is not to be underestimated.
2: He actually recorded over 100 albums. But what happens with uh, back in the 50s and 60s, you know, your record label would say to you, Oh, we need a song. We need songs for doctors. So dad would write 12 songs for doctors. The album would be called For Doctors Only. And George Picco, who was Gene Ritchie's husband, George would take a photograph, a funny photograph of dad. And the album, he would be paid and the album would be put out. But there weren't royalties or anything like that. So after about 100 recordings, what happened? was people would take songs off those recordings and then make their own albums. So what's happened in the, this is very important, what happened in the music industry is that you will find many bootleg albums, you'll find albums that say have his name on them but had nothing to do with him. That bothers us, at not only as children, it's not about the money, it's about who's allowed to take what you own, mm-hmm. what you've copyrighted. Um, so what he decided to do, uh, he, he passed away in 2016, but in 2014, They put out a book called Something to Sing About, and it's a compilation of my father's favorite songs that he wrote. And one of the songs is A Guy is a Guy. And he wrote that song, and Doris Day recorded it. It was number one on the hit parade, my father's only number one hit parade song. It is because of that song that I exist.
1: How is that the case?
2: Because my dad was a very practical man. He was 35 years old, and he wanted to make sure that even though he had this wonderful career, he wanted to make sure he had a little money in the bank before he started a family. And that song was the reason that he could say, Ah, I have a little money, I can get married, and I can... Start a family.
1: That's a neat story. So let's
2: just say that's my favorite song.
1: Okay. Okay. That's a good one.
2: I know my dad's favorite song, too. What was it? His favorite song was uh, My Old Man's a Sailor. Not because it was the his favorite song that he wrote. But it's because the Smothers Brothers recorded it. And when Time Warner released it, they used the Smothers Brothers recording of, da- of Dad's song. And he got a big residual. So he says,
1: OK, so that's my favorite song. I get the sense from the book that he was a practical guy.
2: <laughs> very practical man. Yeah. Very practical man. And, you know, in the days before the Internet, we were all about learning. He was a very smart man, historian. So if we didn't know something, Dad wouldn't tell us. He would just say, look it up. So Guy the a Guy was, was the reason that I exist. But he wrote two other songs. One was called Something to Sing About. He's originally from Canada, and it was a Canadian song that was so beloved in Canada that they almost made it the national anthem. That's how beloved it was. He then wrote it for an American version, which at his memorial, um, the World Folk Music Association put together a phenomenal concert. And all my brothers came, and wonderful performers, and they sang something to sing about the American version. From the
0: fair Hawaiian islands to the Rocky Mountain Highlands, across the prairies, the plains... White Eastern Towers From Alaska to the great southwest North to New England's crest Something to sing about This land of ours I have heard the wild wind Sing of places where I have been Backbone and temperance Whiskey and sin Names like wild rice and badger jaws Set down at Santa Claus Trails of the pioneers Named with the
2: Then the other song that I picked out as his favorite and mine is called touch the earth and touch the earth it makes you cry when you hear it because he was a poet he were, he had beautiful mem- melodies my father wrote this song and it touches your heart in a way that makes you want to be a better person so that that's definitely my favorite the last that I'll mention and there are thousands is called when i first came to this land and that's the one that most people know and it was very important to him because they immigrated from canada to Brooklyn, New York, to find a cure for polio for my father. Uh, Dad had uh, one leg shorter than the other. Um, for his entire life. He was a big man, six foot two, and nobody knew this about him. He just wore a special shoe.
1: You you always seem to have some irons in the fire. And I'm wondering, what are some of the things that you have planned as part of your effort to keep the legacy alive?
2: Well, there are a couple of things. I did write a book. The book is called The Folk Singer's Daughter. Now, at the time I wrote it, my father was working on his autobiography. So he always wanted me to be a writer, but, you know, life takes different turns. Whenever I wrote something, he would tell me. It was wonderful. I worked for Fragments Magazine, a literary quarterly, published twice a year. That's our big joke. And there were many, many years that I had tremendous responsibilities with home life. And I just was never able to get anything out there. So when I told him I was writing a book, he was very pleased. The one thing I couldn't write, of course, was his biography. He was writing that. So I decided to write my own memoir. And that came about uh, because I had lost a little bit of my memory. I bumped my head, the story is not important. But I couldn't remember my childhood very well. And I went on Facebook and there was a group called Greenwich Village Kids or the Greenwich Village. I don't even remember what it was at the time because it, it morphed into something else. But I asked to join and I said who I was. And a gentleman answered me and said, Jeannie, this is Lawrence. And I said, do I know you? And he said, do you know me? You were at my wedding. We went to school together. So suddenly it jogs You're memory. a circle. Yes. I'm sorry
1: to explain a little And
2: this gentleman, who I absolutely adore, said to me, just write. Write everything you can remember as an exercise. It really was an exercise. And the more I wrote, the more triggers. And I decided the memoir was important. And here's why. Growing up as the daughter of a famous person does not mean that your childhood is special or normal. Everybody has problems. Everybody has, uh, situations that they are, that can make their lives difficult, happy. The difference between growing up with a famous person and having famous people around you all the time and still having the problems of life, divorce, uh, problems with uh, drugs, alcoholism, seeing it up close—it's right, right. not only uh, not only my problems. Everybody shares these problems, but they keep it hidden. And I thought it was important to write this memoir because things happened uh, in our family that maybe other people can learn from. And after the book was published, my brothers did not read the book on purpose because we all love each other very much and we're very supportive. So they didn't want to find out anything. They didn't want to know. But there are some Me Too moments in the book. There's stories about my father that only I would know. And he relied on me quite heavily uh, to bring up my brothers and to, to help him. So I have only good and loving memories.
1: There's a great moment at the end of the book where you told him about that.
2: So um, in the last year of my father's life, and he was still active, the the show continued uh, up until its 71st year. In the last year, I visited him four times because he lived in New York and I'm down here near Washington. And I said to him, Daddy, you know, I wrote a book. And he just smiled ear to ear. And I just knew his approval. He was so happy that finally I had achieved a dream of his for me. So it it became my dream.
1: That's a beautiful story. And it sounds like you had a great relationship with him.
2: We did. Very special.
1: And what, what's coming up next?
2: Um, the World Folk Music Association would also like me to help promote a little bit so more people know about them. And so I, I might be do- teaching a class at Oasis again, but this time would have more emphasis on the World Folk Music Association. I'd really like to get some of my father's um, Let's Sing Out archive. You can see them on YouTube. They are his Canadian broadcasting company's television show. And people were on that show before anyone had ever heard of them, like Joni Anderson, who became Joni Mitchell. There are some marvelous moments. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel and Harry Chapin, part of the Chapin Brothers. And Dad had everybody up there. I'd like to get those out there in some way. I know they're owned. They're on YouTube. It's very hard to collect. So maybe... I'd like to have something more than just Facebook where I can put up some of, so he won't be his legacy so that his legacy won't be forgotten. My idea was to have an Oscar brand page, a page where you can see maybe weekly a new video a or new video. a new yeah. video. Did you, no, no okay. I think
1: that's great. And yeah. I think that's probably doable. What would be a final thought in terms of how you would want people to remember him?
2: I would want them to remember him as a benevolent person. Just remembering him should put a smile on your face. So I want people to remember that there was this very special man who helped a lot of people get their start that were were able to be on his radio show with with absolutely no constraints. That he, He had a story to tell, and he told it. And everybody loved him and laughed.
1: It sounds like he was a good man, and he has a great daughter. Oh, thank you. Doing great work. Thank. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you very much for joining me.
2: I appreciate it, Monty. Thank you so much.
0: When the day isn't welcome, and the night seems too long, and the song that you're singing is the same old song for the cost of just living seems much more than it's worth touch the earth touch the earth when there's nothing you're missing and there's no one to meet and there's no fascination in the turn of the street when there's nothing that costs you either misery or mirth touch the earth touch the earth Touch the earth, take the soil in your hand Touch the earth, take your strength from the land For the seeds of tomorrow are just hidden away And they're waiting to blossom in the flower of today Take a chance while you may, you may find a new birth Touch the earth, touch the earth Touch the earth, take the soil in your hand Touch the earth, take your strength from the land For the seeds of tomorrow are just hidden away And they're waiting to blossom in the flower of today Take a chance while you may, you may find a new birth Touch the earth, touch the earth Touch the earth, touch the earth